0: Chapter 16, Carlisle. He led me back to the room that he'd pointed out as Carlisle's office. He paused outside the door for an instant. Come in, Carlisle's voice invited. Edward opened the door to a high-ceilinged room with tall, west-facing windows. I'm Julia Argy, And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is Hot and Bothered: Twilight in Quarantine. I love that we just start this chapter on a realtor tour. I know. To a high ceilinged room with tall west facing windows. The walls are paneled again, but in a darker wood. I was like, ooh, Bella. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And how much is it again? <laughs> I already sort of started by just like reading to everyone, but maybe I should actually recap the chapter. Please do. Okay. Count me in. Three, two, one, go. Go. So he tells her the story of Carlisle swimming the channel, being alive right before the London fire. I don't know, all of that. And then he like tackles her and holds her really tightly. And then Alice comes in and is like, she smells great. And then um, they say that they want to play a baseball game. And maybe Edward is actually young because he shows her his room. (laughs) Which I feel like is something you sort of stopped doing at 14. Okay, good luck, because I think I stole all the big parts. I mean, nothing happened, so you could have sat in silence, and it would have been fine. <laughs> On your mark, get set, go. Go. They go into Carlisle's office. He's there. He leaves to go to work. They look at the art on his walls. Carlisle is in an old painting with a bunch of even older vampires. And he decides that he's going to be a good vampire and eat a deer because he was living at night all by himself. And then Edward says, I didn't do that. I ate people who murdered other people because I'm a good person. But then I don't believe in the death penalty and I stopped doing it. And then She sits on his lap, and they do that in front of his siblings. Okay, you actually mentioned in your 30-second recap one of the things I loved about this chapter. Please share. I love Vigilante Edward. Like, imagine you think that you're going to get raped and murdered, and then this man jumps out and, like, sucks the blood out of the guy who thought he was going to kill you. That would sort of be awesome. That was such a weird moment when Bella was thinking about that. And then said, I wonder what it was like for that girl. It was like, Bella, you were that girl. He did save you from being murdered. Why were you so confused about what it would be like that happened? Well, she's wondering what it would be like to then watch him murder someone. Eat them. Oh, but I think it would be awesome if somebody was like trying to rape me. And then instead this guy came and like killed him, I'd be like, score. See ya. You wouldn't say see it. You say, oh, let's go on a date, eat some ravioli. (laughs) I mean, just imagine Edward's moral compass where he's anti-death penalty and a creationist. (laughs) He's on all sides of the political spectrum at once. A true libertarian. (laughs) Edward is such a libertarian. (laughs) He is. He's like, I don't need roads (laughs) or hospitals. Do you know what? Maybe all libertarians are vampires. That political stance sort of makes sense if you're a vampire. You don't need health care. Next time somebody's like, I'm a libertarian, I'm going to look for all the signs that they're a vampire. And I think most libertarians are very pale. Yeah, probably a vampire. Anyway, what did you like in this chapter? I had the kind of realization that I think starts cults. Like, I think that this level of understanding about the universe is how the Illuminati got started. So, okay, Robert Pattinson plays Edward Cullen in a movie. Edward Cullen turns to Vigilante Justice. Batman also turns to Vigilante Justice. Robert Pattinson was just cast as Batman in the latest movie. I'm not sure exactly what it means on a larger picture, but I know it's some kind of cosmic sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a question. Now that you are a cult leader, what is your eccentricity going to be? I feel like all cult leaders have a really famous eccentricity. Like they always wear aviator glasses or they drink like a 12 pack of Coke a day. Like what's yours going to be? I am going to get a toddler backpack and put a half cut out of Robert Pattinson's body into the back of it and just walk around with that. And he turns into a flock of bats and Batman. Oh, my God. It really is all connected. Whoa. Oh, my God. Something's going on, everyone. Do you have some advice for someone in this chapter? I do. Edward gets mad at Bella when she asks questions. And, like, he's telling her a bonkers story. And forbids her from asking questions. But I really think it's important that Edward let Bella ask follow-up questions. You don't think there's ever a reason to say, dear class, please save your questions till the end? Yes. If you are 100% sure that you are going to answer all of their questions in the process of your lecture, because you've given this lecture so many times that you can anticipate all of their questions but this is edward's first time doing this i just think he should encourage questions i mean they clearly haven't mastered a conversation yet yeah they're still into monologues is he like uh questions were in chapter eight (laughs) i guess maybe that they know each other's favorite gemstones they feel like there's nothing left to know about each other that's gonna last them a really long time in their eternal relationship i'm sure what about you julia I had advice about a really weird moment at the end of the chapter, and I wonder if you noticed it. They're talking about a storm coming for them to play baseball. Edward says, we have to wait for Thunder to play ball. You'll see why. Bella says, will I need an umbrella? And then Jasper, Alice and Edward are all there and they all three laughed aloud. Why did they laugh? And that is such a reasonable question. My advice is if someone asks you a reasonable packing question, just answer it and don't laugh in their face. You said there's a storm coming. I feel like you and I are giving the same advice. Encourage questions. Yeah, I I don't know why they laughed in her face. They're so mean. That was totally reasonable. The only thing I can think is that once you've been alive for a while, kicks are few and far between. So like laugh when you can. Live, laugh, love. Yeah. die, laugh, laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also thought that was mean and also think that Bella is learning a really bad lesson of no question asking. Bella can only Google no oral question asking. Only Netscape searches. Do you have a second piece of advice for someone? Yeah, my advice is that Edward should stop trying to physically restrain Bella. I think that Physically stopping someone is, like, the laziest way to try to convince someone of something. You know how, like, your mom will say to you, I don't hate swear words. I just think it's really lazy fucking language. And I think that physically restraining someone is similarly lazy. Like, if you can't seduce Bella or convince her with your words or your actions that she should stay You should ask yourself, how do I make this argument more compelling so I don't have to resort to physically overpowering her? Is this when he tackles her? Yeah, this is when he tackles her on the couch and she says, let go. And instead he just like restrains her sexy. And I'm like, she said, let go. She didn't say, but now do it sexy. And the version of him doing it sexy is putting her on his lap For his brother and sister to see and have a conversation. No, there's like two phases of it. First, he holds her sexy private, and then he holds her sexy for friends. (laughs) But that's fine. You know, I tried making the consent argument to Edward before, and it didn't work. And so now I'm just trying to appeal to his ego and be like, if you have to physically restrain her, all it means is that you're bigger and stronger. It does not mean you are better, wiser, smarter, anything that actually matters. You're going to have to give advice to Edward by being like, only simpletons like Jessica use physical restraint. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do right now. What is your next piece of advice, Julia? Well, there's been a tragic escalation from winking to growling. Well, there was winking in this chapter. Edward winks at Bella behind Carlisle or something. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so true. Okay. Okay. There has been an adi- a tragic addition to the winking, which is sexy growling. Here's the thing. I don't want us to start saying what's sexy and what's not sexy. Like, these things aren't sexy to us. I am sure some people really like to growl. Like, some people like that. Yeah. They do play together in this chapter, it's like, you're not scary to me. And then he's like, and jumps on her. I don't know. It was really weird. Well, what was also weird about that is that he was actually scary in that moment. So then he like literally scared her. <laughs> so I was like, you don't understand what play is. Yeah. That whole scene, which you refer to in the physical restraint, is very troubling. But it started troubling to me with the growl. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com. I had one more piece of advice from this chapter where Carla talks about how lonely he is roaming the earth as a lonely vegetarian. And he decides to convert, transform, change. He decides to convert Edward to vampirism. And Edward is a 17-year-old boy. And I don't know why this adult man wants to chill with a 17-year-old boy for eternity. Oh, that might be why Edward got in his head to chill with a 17-year-old girl for eternity. This is like bad modeling that Carlyle did. He was like, when you're looking for a lifelong mate, 17-year-old children are great. Especially once you're over 100 years old. Isn't he 400 at the time? Which is, Julia, correct me if I'm wrong, over 100. Yeah, no, I just, it's shocking. Who would you choose to be your lifelong partner? Like, you can't interview them for the job, right? Like, you have to just stereotype. I would like full brain development. So, over 26. So, you're saying I'm your ideal candidate? Maybe. Wow. Now, sadly, you're not mine because you're not over 26. Well, I just have to wait. I could be one day. Vanessa, who would your vampire soulmate be? Hugh Jackman. What are his qualifications? Well, he's had a lot of practice being Wolverine. He's not a vampire. No, but I feel like he's thought through being like half monster and like all the implications and how to be a good half monster because he's a very thorough actor. And... Also, most importantly, he can sing and dance. And so whenever I was bored during eternity, I'd be like, Hugh, can you please do bring him home from Les Mis? And he just would. Dance, monkey, dance. Dance, your dance. <laughs> He'd be my companion. So it's not for a sexy reason. You want him to be your companion? No, it's also because he's the sexiest man alive. I also think something else I love about Hugh Jackman is how much he loves his dogs. I think he would allow me to turn Rory into a vampire dog. I would be worried that you wouldn't be able to explain to Rory to not feast on other beings' flesh. Interesting. Yeah. But I would because as a vampire, my superpower would be that I could communicate complicated things to animals. Mm. So I think I could. Wow. Oh, my God. Me, Rory, and Hugh Jackman forever. We would take care of Peter's mortal body until he died, and then we would wish him well and go have thousands of years together. Every vampire family now sounds like a cult. You were (laughs) like, we will take care of his mortal body in our cult. (laughs) What would your cult leader eccentricity be? Ooh, do you know what I would do? I would make people play an awesome song whenever I entered a room someday somebody's going to make you want to turn around and say goodbye. And I walk in. I can imagine you being like, no, not that one. And then leave the room and be like, do it again. (laughs) Totally. I would go out on stage and be like, everybody, everybody, pretend that this is the first time. That didn't happen. Erase it from your minds. Erase it. And my audience would be filled with animals who understood what I was saying. (laughs) So so your dream is to be a musical theater performer for a pack of miniature poodles? No, I think you've bastardized my dream. My dream is to be a vampiric cult leader with Hugh Jackman. And every once in a while, we happen to perform for a really wide audience. But animals are part of that audience. Why are you making my dream sound silly? (laughs) I have no idea. That sounded really reasonable to me. Yeah. God. Okay, what do you want to put in Bella's care package? Oh, I had a great idea this week. We hear in this chapter that, I don't know, Edward tickles her, whatever, and then Carlisle now can hear her heart rate increase. So I'm going to send her a dog whistle that she can blow on to kind of... Disguise the sound of her heart racing. Yeah, yeah. The vampires will not be able to hear her bodily reactions whenever she's like getting turned on. <laughs> so it's a vampire whistle. Yeah, I don't think those are for sale though. If you really cared about Bella, you would put it into production. What are you going to put into Bella's care package? I have two things. So now that we have all these ways to like ship people's beds, I would like to ship a bed for Bella, but to the Cullen mansion. Edward doesn't have a bed, but Bella might want to nap while she's over. And like a leather couch is not a comfortable place to nap. Your like legs stick to it. And so I'm going to send like a nice comfy bed and nice sheets and like a nice warm quilt And also, Edward, I think it's weird that you don't have a bed because beds aren't just for sleeping. They are also for dot, dot, dot. And also just for like laying around and reading. Like bed is my favorite piece of furniture. So I would like to get them a bed. And then I also want to get some sort of like shock collar for Edward so that every time she repeats let go, like if she has to say let go more than once, he gets zapped. A dog whistle and a dog collar. <laughs> <laughs> and a bed. Wonder what they're going to get up to. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen next chapter? Well, they tell us, right? They're like, we're going to play a baseball game. Bella, you're invited. Ha, ha, ha. No, you don't need an umbrella. So it's obviously a baseball game, but it's also obviously a baseball game with a twist. And so I was trying to figure out what I think the twist is. Like maybe Bella's the ball like they're really strong or like (laughs) they hit her with a bat (laughs) well not with a bat with like a tree trunk that's called murder (laughs) Well, I don't know dude it's baseball (laughs) with a twist and I don't know what else the twist could be what a naked baseball naked baseball great oh and that's why she didn't need an umbrella because everyone knows that you look silly naked but with an umbrella This has been Twilight in Quarantine, a dog supply catalog from Hot and Bothered. This episode and all episodes are executive produced by Ariana Nettleman and produced by Ariana Martinez. This show was conceived of as a vampire baby by Julia Argy. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and I love my vampire whistle. We are a production of Not Sorry Productions and are distributed by Acast. Bye, everyone. Talk to you in a few days.